I will continue to resist the urge to play another free to play game. <laughs> yeah, I will say that this one does. They've been much smarter about making the free to play units that you get like actually good and worthwhile so that you don't feel like you're, you know, totally suffering for not getting the units that you actually pay for, which is nice. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a thing that is very understandable to not want to get into a gotcha type of game. Yeah. And then I I have a friend who was playing it and was showing me and I was like, oh, this, this really looks sweet. And uh, I was like, oh, can we co-op? And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, yeah. That is the the great tragedy <laughs> of Star Rail is not having co-op. We did a whole bunch of Star Rail content. So how was your day? Yeah, no, I just went to Costco. I haven't done anything super interesting yet. Played a bunch of Street Fighter Six yesterday. That was really oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Street Fighter Six is awesome. Oh, have you played it? I have not played it myself, but I've been watching Heather, my wife, play it a bunch. Nice. That's cool. I just have not really had a lot of energy for video games lately. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I was on a, a video game kick for a while, and then, I, you know, you know how that... the. ADHD thing works. It was just like, mm. right? Like I haven't read a book in like nine months. I remember <laughs> books. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in a book phase right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, because well, part of it is because I uh, was I well, not was I did write a, a novel, and I oh, want yeah, to I get heard it. about that on your uh, accessibility yeah. episode. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, I want to get it published. So yes, um, I'm like weight training. <laughs> <laughs> with other genre fiction books <laughs> just like really reading a lot so that when i write my query letter to an agent i'm like it's like this thing and like this thing and oh, like this yeah, thing and yeah. i because you have to you have to kind of flex on how the well you know the log lines and stuff uh-huh. yeah. yeah so this is my i'm gonna throw off the weighted clothing <laughs> when awesome. i finish this I, I i basically like assigned myself a gauntlet of books to read Oh, I've absorbed the power of 600 other authors. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, precisely. That's great. I actually paid a friend of mine who's a um, semi-pro editor to clean up the beginning because a lot of a lot of agents and publishing houses want to see the first 10 pages or the first three chapters of your book. Right. So that's your meal ticket. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, we got to get that part. Like, yeah, polished. that has to be polished. That has to be sharp because that's like my foot in the door, man. And so I paid a friend to do it and she gave it back to me. And I have the notes sitting in my inbox and I haven't opened them because that feels a little too real. Yeah. <laughs> you, that's, you know, that feeling where you're like, oh, definitely. man, if I if I take this step. It's real. I'm really mm-hmm. doing it. There's it's no there's no backing down from this now. And like, are you familiar with the band Marina and the Diamonds? Or am I about to make? A joke? I'm about to be. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. Here's a joke for everyone who gets that. Whenever I get down about this sort of thing, an apparition of Marina appears and sings, "Are you satisfied?" to me. And if you get that joke, great. And if you don't, that's okay. <laughs> I'll post a link to the track in the show notes. Perfect. Welcome to Bonus Experience. Yeah. Yeah. We are a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. 
And we are queer people speaking with authority about games. And yes, we swear, die mad about it. Please. <laughs> just do yourself a favor. <laughs> just go right ahead and die mad about it. <laughs> I am your Pearl Star host, I'm Monica. I am a developer and a designer for hire. I've worked on a whole lot of things. From Trinity Continuum games to some a handful of Silent Second Edition books to probably the thing I am best no- known for, which is the mechanical design and development of Exalted Essence. But I'm not here by myself. Alex, take it away. Who are you? Tell our audience who you are and what you've done. Hi, everyone. So happy to be here. I'm Alex Griscura Guerrero, and I am a TTRPG designer and writer. And uh, I've recently written for Exalted Essence a couple of cool things, so that's been very exciting. Yeah. Absolutely longtime fan of the show, and it turns out that if you're a fan of this show for long enough, you can, like, segue it into work opportunities and being on it. So, like, live your (laughs) dreams, everyone. I am proof (laughs) that apparently this is a thing that can happen. (laughs) I don't know if... But if you're cool. Like, be cool. Rip my notifications. (laughs) rip my inbox yeah don't if you suck like don't don't do it but only cool people should become on the show like i did uh so alex is here because we want to attempt and i know we're gonna we know we're gonna go all over the place with this but we want to attempt to talk about the challenge of looking at video game design and making that into tabletop design yeah which is a challenge that like is partially going to be on you as an interviewer to like draw out of me because I am partially just here to like hold forth about some of my recent hyperfixations in the hopes that like it becomes a podcast episode magically. Sure. You were we were talking up front about Honkai Star Rail, which is a thing that I have I'm familiar with and have watched some friends play and um, have been tempted by, which you can go back and listen to what was probably the cold open where I was like, I don't know if I want to do the gotcha thing again. Oh, oh! Have you been burned before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what game, if I may ask? I mean, I Genshin. I got oh, tired. Okay, of, yeah. I got really tired of it. What was it that you got tired of? Out of curiosity, grinding. Oh yeah. Like there was just a point where I was just kind of bored. Mm-hmm. Like Julia, who's my girlfriend, and I were playing a lot, and we really liked a lot of the characters. The lore is fantastic. I think the setting is really cool. And then, like, I think we were just like kind of between the end of. The Japan one, whose name I'm totally blanking on. Inazuma, yeah. Inazuma, right, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's and and Sumeru. Like, there was that kind of a period in between. She wasn't a real big fan of the underground area in Inazuma. I don't remember oh. what it's called. The weird, there's like the weird, like, Shadowland. I, dude, it's been so long. Yeah, they yeah. They added yeah, another area. Yeah. It was kind of hard. It was neat lore-wise, but it was sort of a pain in the ass if you weren't really a min-maxer. Yeah. Which she wasn't. And we there's were like both... some mist shrouded islands. Yeah, that are yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing. to navigate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And we were both kind of like, I'm tired of playing this for like a couple hours every day. Mm-hmm. And then we just sort of put it down, and then didn't pick it back up. <laughs> yeah, that's very understandable. That was a an amount of a doldrum. So, what is it from Star Rail that excites you mechanically that you would want to see in a tabletop game? Yeah, I think it's. I don't know if it's mechanics so much as it is the lore, probably. Because okay. I feel like they're doing some cool things with the lore and that that are also kind of like the lore in Genshin, but they're like doing it faster and better. Okay. Because the interesting thing about Genshin's writing for me is that it kind of really started clicking and really taking off around Sumeru. 
which of course you haven't seen, but they do some cool stuff that is also very hard to talk about because it's like absolutely major spoilers that I would feel kind of bad about spoiling for the general public because like it is such a gift to be able to find out about those things like as they happen sometimes where they're like, oh, by the way, like huge features about like how the entire world works and has always worked are now going to be revealed to you. And I'm like, that's good stuff, man. One of the things that impressed me the most about playing Engine and keeps making me kind of want to pick it back up, maybe, uh, is that the writing was really fantastic. Yeah. It's like truly a fantastically well-written game, and they won't do it, but I would pay 60 or more dollars, crisp American (laughs) US dollars, for for just like the game is an RPG. Mm. Like, no online nonsense, no grinding except for normal grinding that one expects from a package game. Right. But if you could like, play it like it was a Dragon Age, you'd just be in there. Yeah, yeah. like I could play it on a Dragon Age or a SMT or a Persona or whatever. Like, I, I an Elden Ring? Like, mm-hmm. I do not care if this game is 120 hours long. It's super, super yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Like, because it's just so dense me, and then, with delicious content. Yeah, and it, pretty much all the characters you can recruit are story important in some regard. Mm-hmm. So, like, it would be cool to have the characters either be playable as regular party members, like a Suikoden, where you get like a massive group of people who you can you can put in your party. I love RPGs where you have like just a million just a whole, people a whole who you can put in your party. Yeah, yeah, just a whole castle of friends. That's all I want. Like my I just there's already the teapot. I already have a home base. I can put all my mm. guys in. <laughs> like I would just. That is the the experience, the RPG experience of the game itself, minus the gotcha elements, is so worth playing. Yeah. And I yeah. wish I had the option to opt out of the, like, gambling hmm. part and the grinding free-to-play part that needs to entertain people yeah. all the time and just be a game I can play yeah. start to finish. And I, I recommend, uh, for the listener who feels the same way, there are people, beautiful people, who have made just flawless archives of, like, all of the story things playing through and all of the event quests and stuff. And they're just, they're very satisfying to watch through. Like, I'll just watch through ones that I've already seen. Like, oh yeah, somebody did like an hour and a half playthrough of this event. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't I was like fully yeah. paying attention to like, I learned new things that recontextualized some of the stuff from that. I just watched that again, like a little movie. Yeah. So what is it about the star rail setting that catches your eye and makes you want to turn makes you want to play in that world yeah i think the thing i was trying to think of like do i have a thesis statement here and like i'm not sure if i do but i think it's something around they're creating a sense of mystery really effectively okay because they do this wonderful thing of like we're going to show you some stuff that is going to be really wild and is not going to mean anything to you but you can tell that it means something to us Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that I don't see a lot in the TTRPG space. Like, it's hard to create a sense of, like, ooh, I'm going to make a cool mystery, and then people are going to be interested in it, right? Like, I feel like usually when you hear about a GM or a DM, they're like, man, I made up a cool mystery, and then nobody cared. Or, like, they went the other direction. Or, you know, I, I tried to do my big reveal, and then, like, it fell flat. Or It's just, it's a hard problem to do right making up a thing and then getting people to be interested in it and i thought is there anything that we can sort of mine from this video game for how do we solve that problem or how do we get towards solving that problem yeah the challenge i think there is you have to put something forward that is comprehensible enough Mm -hmm. that people go 
what's that about? And then because it's a game, like both Star Rail and a theoretical uh, tabletop game that we're setting, designing to capture that sense mm-hmm. of mystery, has to have a playable element, right? Like, the trailer you sent me has that implication that these are people you can side with, mm-hmm. right? Like, like uh, maybe they're gods, right? Or maybe they're people who are going to give me power, right? Yeah, those are their sort of god equivalent, the aeons. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I'm using god in a broad mm-hmm. sense, right? Like, it's not necessarily... Like, maybe they're weird, super powerful, immortal space aliens who are gods, yeah. effectively, right? Like, it is a space game. But, like, you understand what I mean of, like, a setting deity, mm-hmm. of, like, a powerful figure who's maybe going to be- bless you, right? right? Or maybe there are these factions at war, right? And it doesn't say any of that, but you get that from the trailer. Yeah, yeah. And that's accurate. Yeah, and, like, that ties into that playable aspect. Like, you want to put something forward that entices people to engage. And I think that's the magic bullet to putting forward that kind of mystery, mm-hmm. right? You You want to have something unexplained, but clear enough someone goes yo that god of fire looks sick is he a, is he like a faction leader because i want to be on the fire team yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is also ties into sort of like how i elevator pitch exalted mm-hmm. too because you want you want pe- it's so there's so much it's so fucking oh dense, god there's right? so much we've got 20 years 20 years there's so much 20 years of lore but you still want new people to take a look and to not feel overwhelmed and you kind of have to set that up with a little like here's all these guys you can be and here's all these teams you can be on and here's all these sides you can take and here's this like hint that the setting is big and full of mystery yeah 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 yeah. because i feel like it's the hinting that is the key right well you don't want to overwhelm your target with info dumping right Mm -hmm. we're both big fans of info dumping oh absolutely yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but when you are trying to get people to buy in and you know jump on your bandwagon you don't want to be like in the beginning there was yeah. here's our <laughs> timeline go of 3000 years right and then just deep lore cuz if you if you de- de- there will be people who are like yes give me the deep lore right away i am so mm-hmm. on board but most people aren't those people <laughs> yeah and that's actually one of the things that's really impressed me in in Genshin and Star Rail is that they have a lot of like very deep lore content that is just all the way optional mm-hmm. like They'll be like, oh, yeah, you want you want some cool lore stuff? It's there. We gave you a bunch of books. Like, go read your book in your archive. But then, you know, even more so, they'll be like, oh, uh, did you ever play any of the Enkinomiya stuff? The, like, undersea, dark and light kingdom? That's what I was thinking of earlier. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one is, it's a lot to go through because the navigating around is kind of annoying and stuff. But the rewards you get there are, like, almost entirely lore-based and almost entirely optional. Because there's one quest mm-hmm. that's just like, oh, hey, there's like a librarian ghost that wants you to go and pick up some library books that have not been returned to the undersea, <laughs> completely destroyed civilization's library. And I was like, well, obviously, I'll put aside every other priority on this entire planet to do that. Yes, thank you. I will go and get the library books right now. <laughs> because my mom was a librarian. My stepmom was like, I'm raised by librarians. There's nothing else <laughs> they could possibly get me going somewhere faster uh, uh hook line and sync yeah and i'm like yeah. oh books the <laughs> books have lore i would love to do that yeah and of course you know you get like some totally regular books that are about like oh here's how like the tides work and uh, some reports on that and then a thing that's like 
oh, here's some experimental reports about how, like, coral was grafted onto the bodies of these dragon things. And you're like, wait, hold up. You mean the same dragons that I just was told to go get coral from for the quest I did? I thought that was a good thing, but uh, these guys were experiment subjects? That's that's more complicated than I thought. What is... What? Suddenly I'm recontextualizing the whole purpose of my trip here. Like, ooh, it's so good. I love it. Yeah. And then there's another, another book that's like, hi, this is a really weird, like, fragmentary myth that is definitely giving you some of the extremely deep knowledge about, like, the whole backstory of the game that we still don't even know what it is yet. Here's some names that you should probably remember later. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Like, you would have, you know, I have friends who have not finished that section because it's a little bit annoying. Right. And I'm just like, listen, I can't tell you why, but you should really go back and do that library book quest because it's very important. Uh, <laughs> if anyone also wants to have someone else tell them about these things, Ashikai is a really great like lore analyst on YouTube who just does does the deep dives for you and goes and looks up every single thing and finds every reference and just lays it out in these beautiful videos that tell you everything. Oh, they're so good. I think it's hard when you are running a game yeah. to seed that kind of thing in. Because mm-hmm, it really is about seeding, right? Yeah, because a lot of this is very, very, very difficult to do when you're running a game. Especially if you're going to use, like, if you want to play a Genshin-style game and you're going to use, like, kind of a high-powered game engine. Um, like, I can think of a lot of... I, I would... If, if you if you are playing Genshin in d and I'm going to tell you right now, you're fucking it up. You're doing it wrong. So, yeah, oh my gosh. Oh, please oh don't. Oh my god, it's like it's not going to hit. It's not going to hit right. Say stop. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Please pick a game that copies the the sort of exciting action RPG elements that will feel like you are playing Genshin where you're like running around enemies and you know dropping your specials and mm-hmm. you know building up to hitting an ultimate. Can I do this without plugging essence? No, I can't. Uh <laughs> I thought is there a way? There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. No. You you literally build up to doing your special. You you literally do build up to doing your special. You literally do. Uh, it's a it's an excellent choice for it, honestly. But I could think of other games with like a high action framework that would be just as good. Godbound, perhaps. I think the age system is pretty high action. Story path would be all right. I'm trying to think of other games that have like real good like mobility mechanics in them. Hmm. Anima Prime by Christian Griffin is one that I've liked from back in the day. Although I think he's, oh, yeah. I wonder if the second version of that is out yet. He was working on an Anima Prime resurgence, which has like, it's got that good, that good anime feeling of like, I'm, I'm building up dice and moving them around these pools to like gain power and then unleash it all at once. Yeah. I just, my point is that you want an action game that has some decently robust movement mechanics and like kind of maybe a momentum mechanic where you build up and then you're like, drop my ultimate. Yeah. Lather, rinse, repeat. You want to focus on that. So when you are playing a high-powered game like that, the player characters usually have a lot of control over the narrative, whether Mm -hmm. the game specifically grants them that or not, because they're going to be succeeding on roles. They're going to defeat enemies. They're going to win most of the time. Mm -hmm. So when you are trying to seed that element of mystery... Sometimes you were just making up all this lore as you were going, 
because whatever you had planned is now no longer on the table because the players grabbed the plot and took it in another direction. Right. It turns out that they just got the scepter. <laughs> You're like, oh no. Oh no. Right. They just, you thought maybe this would go on a little bit longer, but it didn't. Uh, they all passed right away, and you're like, well, okay, Scepter's yours. And then I talk a lot, and if, you, if you've listened to the systematic understanding of everything, I talk a lot about the consequences of success, and this is where, like, this is where I'm, like, lean on the consequences of success. What does it mean that they have the Scepter now? Because failure probably wasn't really on the table. Who else is interested in it? Who previously owned it? You know, whose attention do they have now because they've attained it? Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nice. That's, that's a good way to do it. There are lacunas in those in those questions that maybe you could see in that lore you're talking about but what is a lacuna it is an unfilled space or a gap Ooh. from a missing portion in a book or a manuscript oh i love that that's oh i had i had a lacuna in my own vocabulary yeah it's a really good word that just means a blank space basically yeah a fruitful void <laughs> a fruitful void it's literally that and sometimes on the fly you have to be like well, I did make up lore for what the, the scepter is about, right? Like, I did have a backstory for it. And that when the players ultimately succeed, and you have these questions of like, okay, where, where do we go next? What is the next step? I think as a result, you kind of have to look at those things and be like, oh, shit, what's, where can I go from here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I feel like the, the thing that's tricky is, you know, how much can you pre-plan? How much can you make up on the fly? And why it's really difficult to replicate the sort of work that they do in these billion dollar plus games is because they have teams of like dozens if not hundreds of writers working on this stuff right like they can afford mm -hmm. to have someone go and say oh i'm gonna give the entire history of this sword and every single person who's ever held it right and like you can't do that work as one person i feel like yeah the if I was really trying to replicate this sort of thing, I would probably do it in some sort of GMless way of like having different people have responsibility for different things and like writing up different like aspects of stuff, maybe because mm -hmm. it's just it's too much for one person to really like because the, the, it's it's such a lovely like richness and depth, right? Of like everywhere you look, you find more stuff, and that's the dream of a, of a wonderful you know video game or TTRPG world that you can just look around a corner and be like, what's over there? Oh, there's a bakery. I go into the bakery, right? What's the baker like? But it's hard to fill that stuff in in real time as one person. You know, and yeah. bless everyone who tries, but like, it's too much work for me. So we mentioned GMless gaming, and I think that there's a really, really important lesson that, because like, we, we talked about a whole lot of traditional games. We were talking about games to emulate like a Genshin in. Mm -hmm. and, and similarly, you could emulate Honkai Star Rail, which is turn-based, which like lots of tabletop RPGs are by necessity turn-based. Right. It's very, very difficult to play with real people otherwise. But like we were discussing traditional games, of which GMless games typically are not. Like The GM is part of the tradition. Mm -hmm. But there's tech, mechanical tech from GMless games that's very important here. And that you can just slot into any traditional game, even D&D. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you must. If you must. If that's what you play. Where, when this instance to provide that lore and the depth and the setting development presents itself, you can literally just hand that off to everyone else at the table. So, like, yeah. the, your scepter example, right? We've gained the scepter! It has some cosmic significance, right? Then you just turn to the person to your left, if you're the GM, and are like, so now that you've attained the scepter, what about it feels off to you? Ooh, that's so tasty. Right? You just present a question like that 
to the player next to you and whatever they say roll with. And that's yeah. that's lore now, right? So that you can still do the whole everyone contributes to this thing. You just have to turn to the other people at the table and ask them a leading question. And you could you could do that in any game, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that I've I've heard people talk about a lot, and I don't know if anyone has actually done it. Like I haven't done it for some reason. Is play Microscope by Ben Robbins, which is a wonderful like very mechanically well designed but like free form in your ability to do whatever you want like history making game mm-hmm. i'm familiar and uh, for for the listener you can make like periods of time where you say oh i've created the renaissance and here's some things about how it was and inside of the renaissance i've made an event and then you know leonardo da vinci has invented the first flying machine and then i can make a scene inside of that where i'm asking a question and saying like, oh, what accident led to the inspiration for the flying machine? And you play that out as, as characters. The rest of it, you're sort of just declaring things and making them true. And something that everyone thinks about as soon as they hear about that game is like, dang, we could write a whole history and then we could play our other game in that history. And then when we saw, you know, the scepter of an ancient king, you could be like, wait a second, I know who that king is. That's that guy I made up earlier. <laughs> right, yeah. Actually do that, someone, or like, if you've done that, let us know, because that's cool. That's a good idea. And it wouldn't even be hard. It would take like a couple hours, and then you'd get this huge amount of investment of all the stuff you made up. So maybe that's the secret. Yeah, I have not tried to use Microscope as the timeline building tool yet. Mm. I think, so I see a lot of people, I want to complain about something. A lot of people are like, let's play the quiet year to make a map. And I'm like... (sighs) Whenever someone says that, I really like The Quiet Year. The Quiet Year is an excellent game. Mm -hmm. The Quiet Year is not a map builder. The Quiet Year is a specific game with a specific objective that makes a map. Right. Yeah, the map building is incidental to like... Are you familiar with it? Yeah. That's the Avery Alder game where you create a community of people who are surviving in a sort of post-apocalypse scenario. But like that's not really the point. You have scarcities and surpluses of your your weird little society, and you like go around and accomplish tasks and stuff. And yeah, yeah, and you, it, you end up drawing a map, but like yeah, it's not it's, about it's not the map about drawing. the map drawing. It is not a map building game. It is specifically about like you said, the community, the scarcity, and then when the shepherds of winter arrive, the game is over. Like it, it's a mm. game with an endpoint. It's not really a map making game. And I'm sorry, it annoys me to high heaven that the McElroys made everyone believe it's a map-making game. (laughs) Uh, You know what's a great map-making game? Sitting around with your friends and drawing a map and, like, uh, uh, Spindle Wheel. Spindle Wheel by Sasha Renault is a great one. Oh, okay. Um, Is that actually a a map-making game? It's, it's, among other things, a map-making game because it's a series of sort of tarot-esque cards that have these beautiful, like illustrations and they're double-sided so you can flip them over either way and you uh, this is just me pitching all of my favorite games the no, episode so welcome to that everyone sure uh, <laughs> link in the show notes yeah in spindle wheel uh you have these cards that'll be like oh the ivy horned stag or something right and it right. like says some cool text on there about it and then it has a different interpretation if you flip it the other way and you can use that for a lot of things. It sort of comes with a little toolkit for like, you can use this to play a duel between two characters by, you know, having your character be like made out of a couple different cards that describe their aspects and then drawing a card and using that as your move you do That's in really the duel, cool. which is so fun. Yeah, it's really cool. uh, Or you can build locations by, you know, okay, we're going to make a town. Let's make part of the town. Okay, we have 
the tin penny that is about like some sort of cheap fake thing. Okay, yeah, what is that? That's going to be maybe the fountain in the center of town is like filled with cheap little, you know, things or something. Yeah, I dig that. That's not, that, that sounds like a better world building tool to me. Yeah, it's really good for it because you, you, it also has this beautiful fractal aspect of being able to like, oh, now we can zoom in and say, ah, we're going to build one building in this town by laying out cards in a certain way and interpreting what they mean and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to have to pick that up. Oh, yeah, it's it's great. So but anyway, my point was that Microscope is, in fact, a timeline making game, and it does like create a series of events. So even though I've never actually done that, and I even own a physical copy of it, mm-hmm. it would be something worth attempting sometime. Especially if like people were like, I want to I want to play a tabletop game real bad, and I can't, like, if you can't think of somewhere to begin. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could even get up to the part where, like, so, you know, in Microscope, you basically put all the cards down, and then, like, this is the beginning, this is the middle, this is the end, and we're going to keep adding stuff to it. And then Mm -hmm. when you reach the point where you're like, let's play this as a scene, that's where you can start your campaign. Ooh, yeah, that could be. Or like, you know, once you've done it a couple times and you're like, okay, I want these characters are us now. Right. Yeah, yeah. That would be so satisfying. That would be really satisfying. Yeah, I must have played Microscope over 100 times because I played it at a a weekly event for a long time. But yeah, even I have not done that for some reason. So I don't know. Uh, Do as I say, not as I do, listener. (laughs) Yeah, we, we pitch all kinds of things that I haven't necessarily done myself here. I have, however, done the thing where I talk about, like, I didn't have any other good ideas for this MacGuffin, so I just turned the person to my left, and I'm like, what about this seems off to you? Yeah, that's yeah. that's such good tech, and it requires, like, a level of humility and, like, empathy for your fellow players, and, like, the ability to admit that you're not an all-powerful god-king that more... <laughs> GMs and uh, especially DMs should cultivate in general. Just you don't have to do all the work yourself. Just let other people do some of the work. It's okay. I'm gonna it's let, okay. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. If you do this, it makes people think you're better. Because you actually will be better. You will literally be better as a person and as a gamer. Because it's just more fun. You don't have to do everything yourself. It absolutely makes people be like, oh, you're so smart. And like, well, you were almost all the work, actually. Yeah, you've been lied to by <laughs> Gary Gygax, and he's a gross racist. So, like, don't, we don't need him. Racist Uncle Gary. That's what we call him around here. <laughs> he's no family of mine. Uh, bringing uh, it back to a couple of things that I feel like are worth stealing from Genshin. Yeah. Whether you can or not, but like, try, I guess. Uh, one thing that really impresses me in that game is they just have characters, like, lie to you, even though they're your friends, <laughs> like, about really important fundamental stuff. And usually when you find out the thing that they have lied to you about, it's because you've been, like, taken into their confidence, right? And I feel like that's something that is, like, the process of someone getting to trust you is very satisfying and is something that is, like... I don't feel like I've really seen that be simulated in a game. And I feel like that would be really cool. If like, hey, this person has some things that they know that they're not going to tell you, but like maybe they will eventually, right? Like you don't really have like reputation gaining systems that often. Or if you do, yeah, I haven't, not, I haven't seen not, many that like call them. The ones I can think of aren't fantastic. So I'm, I'm not yeah. going to recommend them. Uh, that does not to be exalted on main again, but that does make me... <laughs> 
That does make me think of actually the way social influence works in full third edition, mm. which requires you to spend time with NPCs and like role play with them before you learn their intimacies. That's cool. And then like getting to know someone is an important part of the social influence system. But like, yeah, I can see using the concept from that to be like, no, you have to spend time talking to this character before they'll start telling you things, before you start learning things about them. Like, they'll do these really satisfying things where you can tell that you're coming up against, like, a security system of, like, oh, this nation has an immune system of, like, you know, these knights are here to, like, hey, buddy, what you doing here? What's your business? Like, and it's just such a satisfying feeling to, like, feel like you're being tested and like seeing if you know certain things right or they they do a wonderful version of this in the sumeria region in the desert where like there are just literally puzzles that like teach you things about this culture that no longer exists and like then you gain clearance levels of like how much you know about the cool desert society that then teach you cool secrets that teach you about their culture and you're like oh, okay, this is neat. I'm getting like more and more trusted as I go. And then I'm getting more and more familiar with things. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this is a big deal. Yeah, that's really cool. That reminds me of the way Blades in the Dark does its faction. Yeah, where you have basically like a list of people in the world and you have a relationship with them, positive or negative or not at all. And then like, that system itself is pretty straightforward. Like, if you do things that are bad for them, they like you less. If you do things that are right. good for them, they like you more. And it progresses during downtime, I think. And I think you can use something that simple, but then kind of like have in your notes things like, oh, at plus three reputation, they will let you into this certain place. Yeah, right? yeah, they're going to they're gonna teach you a, a code or something, right? Like, I love codes. Mm-hmm. Put codes in your games, everyone. That's the coolest <laughs> stuff. And you're like, wait a second. That was a code the whole time. Do you mean code is in cipher or code is in, as like, in code of conduct? cipher, okay. yeah. Okay. As in, like, <laughs> oh, you know, you've, you've now learned that when someone says, like, open the left hand that means that they are going to you know take action against an enemy and if they say close the right hand then that means that they're going to abandon their current pursuit and retreat or something right and you're like wait i heard some people having a conversation that involved those things earlier which is also a thing that happens in genshin it's really cool yeah that's dare i say sexy yeah it's hmm. spy stuff is good (laughs) just having characters do spy stuff in non-spy related genres is extremely cool (laughs) alex coming out here to endorse doing spy stuff do it it's fun (laughs) say things that mean more than one thing like that's that's the genshin experience in a nutshell it's just like so much of the things that they say mean several different layers of things and like if you can somehow get that working in a tprvg like i'll play it because that sounds cool bxp is brought to you by the misdirected mark network bing thank you become a bxp patron patrons get an extended cut of every episode episodes early and a special place to hang out on our discord and you can support us for as little as one dollar a month and if you'd rather support BXP without Patreon, you can subscribe on Coffee instead, ko-fi.com slash bonus EXP, or buy our stuff. You can go to bxpcast.com slash bxpswag to check out our merch page. But don't forget that BXP is sponsored by Nerdy Kepi. You can get all kinds of rad queer swag, 
And also, Kickstarter funded Exalted Essence bags that have some really fucking sick art from the book, as well as the logo. Oh, I gotta check that out. That art is so good. Yeah, it's, it's I, I handpicked the pictures that went on the bag, and they are some of my favorite pieces from the book. Or if you don't like any of those, you can just get the logo. Um, and use code BXPCAST to check out for 10% off, which never expires, because they're all, all the stuff is pretty fairly priced. So if you're like, man, I really want these really fucking sick shoes, but I can't afford the shoes and this bag, you can always come back and keep using the BXPCAST code. Remember that saying nice things is always free, so leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, to help us get more listeners. Tell your friends. That's all I want from you. And if you like bonus experience, you will also like Pandas Talking Games, queer gamers talking about tabletop role-playing games and making outtakes. Join Pandas Phil and Senda every Wednesday answering listener questions about playing, running, and designing TTRPGs. Get cozy and let's talk about some games. When you said making outtakes, I thought you were just going to say, and making out. And making out, just making out, just 30 minutes of solid wet mouth noises. The pandemic on. (laughs) I know. How are they doing it remotely? <laughs> if you want more of this show, you can go to bxpcast.com, part of the Misdirected Park Network. Bing! You can email bonus experience at bonusexpcast at gmail.com to let us know how wrong I was about the things I was wrong about, or to, to chime in on other things from games that you were interested in seeing. You can also follow us on Tumblr. We are bonus experience, one word. If you want to chat with us directly, we have a Discord, which you can join tinyurl.com slash bxpdiscord, and that'll take you right there. Where can we find you, Alex, if they want to hear more from you? That's a good question. Jeez, I'm not on Twitter as much anymore because it's such a weird... But I haven't like, moved it's to another hole. social media either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm technically at a fractal dragon on Twitter. I got to revive my Tumblr now. Are we going to Tumblr? I'd like to go to Tumblr. It's it seems t- nicer there. That's where I am. And I will tell you that people in the tabletop scene on Tumblr actually have discussions with each other. Oh, that's nice, because whenever I go to Twitter, it's just, it, it feels like the algorithm there just wants to make you sad and angry. And angry, because it does, because that makes you uh, click on things more and spend more time there. And yeah. when I realized that it was rotting my brain and making me angry 24-7, and so I stopped doing that. It's a dark place. Maybe we should stop going there. So, not on Twitter anymore, potentially on Tumblr. Don't you have an Itch.io page? I got an itch.io page. Yeah, yeah. plug that. I, haven't, I, gotta, I gotta release another game at some point. I have several games that are like, have been 99% done for several years now. That, what uh, a mood, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of these days. But you can you can get Dragon Hearts on there. That's a good game. You can go to uh, fractaldragon.itch.io. Are you still doing Unplaytested or is that, a, that over? Not really anymore. Okay. We gotta do it back again. One of these days. But uh, yeah, I don't even know if people can go and listen to it anymore. Yeah, everything I'm in is, like, weirdly on hold now. <laughs> I don't oh, okay. know if I have that much to pitch. It's fine. It's fine. You don't have to. You can look forward to Alex's writing in Pillars of Creation and in the Exalted Essence Jumpstart. Oh, that's true. That is true. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah. And if you want to hear more of me, I'm a sometimes guest of the Eternal Mooncast, talking about my other special interest, Sailor Moon, which can be found at eternalmooncast.com, as well as the systematic understanding of everything, the Exalted Explainer, at exaltcast.com. I am also Dice-Wizard on Tumblr if you want to follow me there, where mostly I just reblog things that I like, but do occasionally do some long-form posts on game design and game running, which then make people argue with me, but in like a Tumblr way. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to Tumblr right now. <laughs> well, that's it for the show. Everybody get out. Whew. And remember, change it if you want to.
Do I have to do this? Oh, fine. Bonus Experience is written by Monica uh, and edited by Margaret. Our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the Attribution Non-Commercial Creative Commons license. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Okay, there, I read it. Now, bye!